You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS 4 Podcast Studio, welcome to another Colts Blue Zone Podcast alongside Mike Chappell and Joe Hopkins. I'm Dave Griffiths. Gentlemen, we made it. The regular season is here. As we tape this podcast on Thursday, there will be a game tonight, in fact, uh, between the Bills and the Rams out there in L.A. So uh, the Colts will start their season in just three days in the space city of Houston to take on the Texans. And boy, it's a uh, long off season. The chap gets shorter every year, it seems. And uh, just because everything news-wise fills it up. And, and here we are again. The games are real. The games matter. And, and kickoff is here. Almost every team has changed just because that's the way the league is. But when you have the offseason the Colts had, I mean, it was clear from the, the the night that they lost there's going to be a major change. And you're talking quarterback, you're talking edge pass rusher, you're, you're talking the key positions, you know, cornerback. So all they didn't really address, and as we've talked about in my mind, is left tackle makes you nervous with Matt Pryor and receivers, receivers slash tight ends. But I'm so curious if, if our – enthusiasm is well-founded or is it just a mirage? I, and we'll know. We'll know how they play initially and then how they attack the first month of the season. But you've got a good feeling, but until you see it on the field, you just don't know. We will preview that game against Houston coming up. We have an injury update from from uh, team headquarters. we got to break down the keys to the game. We'll make predictions. But first, we start with the news, and it is a uh, Joe. It's not exactly the longest list of news here, but nevertheless, uh, we'll, we'll start with signing running back Philip Lindsay to the practice squad, uh, cut last week in favor of Dion Jackson uh, for to the fifty-three man roster, which was one of the bigger surprises of the the cut to fifty-three. But uh, Lindsay, obviously, Joe didn't find any takers elsewhere, so he's back here in Indy to the practice squad. Yeah, this is kind of best case scenario for the Colts. They get to keep Lindsay, who if something ever happened to Taylor, knock on wood, it doesn't. But if they did. They could really use Lindsey's ability in the running game. Uh, I think he's a superior rusher to Jackson, but just Jackson's ability on special teams won him the initial 50-man, 53-man roster spot, so it's nice to see Lindsey come back in case they need him. And, Chap, we talked about it before, that uh, Lindsey was a was a luxury. The Colts just couldn't squeak onto the roster. It'd be nice to have that guy on your roster, but uh, you, you need players elsewhere who perform in other areas to fill out the spots on game day. So so they'll take him for the practice squad. And as Joe said, if worse comes to worse, uh, you could hopefully uh, elevate him to the 53 and he could take on more of a primary role. But again, that is in the absolute worst case scenario. Well, and again, knock on wood again, JT and Hines have missed a total of one game. And that's what JT was. I think he was a close contact. That's remarkable. It, yeah. it, it's, And that's why it's... It makes me a little nervous when your team is is built around the run, and they are. Whatever we expect from Matt Ryan, this is still a run-based team. And running backs, they just get hurt. Dalvin Cook is a great player in and out of the lineup, and Derrick Henry last year. So, knock on wood. And the thing with Lindsey is, as we talked about, he gives you, heaven forbid, Taylor's going to miss two or three games. Wouldn't you rather have Philip Lindsey be that guy as opposed to Naheem Hines, which would diminish what he can do elsewhere. So, although one thing to keep in mind, practice squad players are free agents. Yeah. So somebody can sign Philip Lindsay. If somebody or, else has a running back that gets hurt. Correct. So, and, and so it's, 
I, I've not seen the list of protected players. Uh, I think that came out today or yesterday, and I, I just didn't check. I think you can protect four practice squad players every week. But he, he gives you that cushion, and I'm sure it's something of a hit to his ego, you know, your practice squad. After being a pro bowler Correct. just like four years ago so in his rookie it, year. And everyone has egos, ago. so it, it's got to dig at him a little bit. One thing that, that softens it somewhat is I think you get four veterans on your practice squad, and they make more than the minimum. He, he's making like $19,000 a week, which is, you know. It, it, that ain't nothing. It, it, ain't, it ain't nothing. And a regular, a regular uh, like rookie or first year player gets like eleven thousand. That also ain't nothing. But at the same time, a rookie minimum salary is I don't know what it is now five hundred thousand. Right. It's so a bunch. and that ain't nothing. Right. That's a little bit but, more but than it, nothing. It's, Not it's, nothing. It's, it's, it's important. And also, we talked about the Colts always are liberal with the use of the practice squad. They probably had twelve or thirteen players last year who who were activated and played. So. Just because you're not on the 53 doesn't mean you won't have an impact. Right. Uh, that, that, is, that is an extra part of the roster, and Chris Boward has talked about the importance of that before in the, in the times that we've spent with him. 16 guys on that squad is, is more than just a couple years ago, and I believe it was 10 or maybe even 8. I think it was 10. It's 16 with the, with the exemption. Right, with the exemption, it's uh, 16. So you got, uh, you got Marcel Dabo on there as well, so he's going to stay there for the entire season. And then, then we'll see what happens with him next year after he actually has uh, NFL coaching to, to see what uh, the, uh, the athleticism can blossom into. Um, the Colts have also named team captains this week. Uh, certainly no surprises on this list. Matt Ryan. Uh, who is in captain forever down in Atlanta. You've got Shaquille Leonard, who is a captain for his fourth year here in Indy. DeForest Buckner, who's a captain for the fourth year in his career. Quentin Nelson, I believe it's the third time in his career. Maybe it's the second. Jonathan Taylor, captain. Kenny Moore, captain for the first time. Zaire Franklin, captain, I believe, for the second time uh, from all those players. Three on offense, three on defense. Zaire's kind of the special teams guy, who's also defense, of course. Um, but, but Chapa, a lot of names there that none, none can certainly be a surprise. And uh, Kenny is the new one from last year, as is Jonathan Taylor. Everyone else there was, uh, who was a Colt was a captain last year. They were captains along with T.Y. and Carson Wentz. Uh, T.Y. is gone. Carson Wentz is gone. So Matt Ryan comes in, steps up, takes that spot, and Kenny Moore kind of uh, fills in at the other one. So that, those are your Colts captains for 2022. Trust me, it's not insignificant that they put a little C on your jersey. It's not. This is a player's vote. So th- this is who your teammates believe set the set the tone, set the way of your doing things, and it's it, these are the guys who should be your quarterback should be your guy. If he's not, there's something wrong. So in, in the same with with Buck, he, he or just, if Tony sets is not to management's liking. Cor- uh, yeah, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't going. To, I wasn't okay, going. No, there. I'll, I'll just in, in deference to you, I wasn't going to go there. <laughs> but but no, that's you've got to have that and. And you look at these players, and, and they're all – it's funny. that They're sort of different. Jonathan Taylor might be the quietest leader I've been around. Mm-hmm. This you, you try we, – we talked to him today. You try to get him to say something about himself, and he won't do it. Zero percent chance. No. You know, well, yeah, you know, we, we talked about well, Michael Pittman said he's got a list of 10 or 12 personal goals. It would take him 10 minutes to go down it, and JT is busy. He's out. I've got one. Win a championship. Win a championship. He said, I've never won a championship in my career. And that's what you want. It's just, and it's not, it's not fake. It's just that that's who he is. Mm -hmm. And we've had players who've talked great games 
and not done much. And now we've got one that you, you can't pry a great quote out of. It's not that he's a bad quote. He's just, he is so team focused. He knows more than anyone that last year when he led the league with 1,811 yards, he was the first running back in like 10 years that his team did not make the playoffs. So he would have given up 500 yards to first make the playoffs. To lead the league in rushing to Correct. not make the playoffs. It was, it was uh, uh, Jacksonville. Maurice Jones drew, I think it was. And, you know, it, it's all pro and league rushing leader and, and, and total yards from scrimmage. It's about the postseason. Mm-hmm. It just is. And that's, to me, this season is sort of postseason or bust. Mm-hmm. And we can get into that. But uh, these are the leaders. If, if you had to kind of project who they would be beforehand, mm-hmm. you'd be pretty close with this group. Quentin, another one that uh, is not uh, not not the, the greatest of, of interviews He's got a with presence. us. It's, it's, but it, yes, very much so. Like, he, he steps on the field. You know where he is. Um, he, he impacts the game greatly. He impacts his teammates greatly. He has the ear of the coaching staff, like we saw from Hard Knocks last year, that he has the clout to go up to Frank and be like, run the ball. How about if we run a player or two? Just, just, just call a straight run. And, and that, that even, even for all pros, not everyone would feel the need or I the I bet right there's five or six that. players who would feel they had the cash to do that. Yeah. And he's one of them. Yep. So the Colts have him as a captain, and then uh, then all these other gentlemen. Syracuse is Zaire Franklin, a three-year captain uh, for the Orange. That that doesn't happen often either. He's such a great story. He, he you don't have a, to tell me, but you I, can go a, ahead, a please. A seventh-round pick, right? <laughs> Show a seventh-round pick. He, I should just shut up about it. No, don't. But a seventh-round pick who got a second contract. Yeah. It's amazing. He, he, he cut his teeth on special teams. And if it, the, the sooner the Shaq gets back, we'll see Zaire, I think, be more special teams. Will they cut him back until Shaq gets back? I don't know, but I think Zaire is one of the better stories coming through this. Agreed. Even though it's Syracuse. Ah, I, I just hate to boost that. Syracuse, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. What does Hancock Health's membership in the Mayo Clinic Care Network mean for you? It means our independent health network now has access to the knowledge and resources of the world leader in medicine. It means your Hancock Health doctor can now consult with Mayo Clinic specialists to confirm a diagnosis or treatment plan. And it means that together, we're making health possible for you. Learn more about our new clinical collaboration at HancockRegional.org front slash Mayo Clinic. Guys... The injury report is as short as it's going to be all year. So let's, first of all, celebrate that. Woo! Two players. Especially uh, compared to last year. Oh, my gosh. Let's not talk about Going that. into the season. Yeah, yeah right? Yeah. Even week one. Heck, throughout training camp. Uh, but two players made the, uh, made the injury report this week. Dennis Kelly with his knee injury, a limited participant in Wednesday's practice. But, but he practiced. That's huge. Absolutely huge. And then a full participant in practice, Shaquille Leonard, with his back injury. Chap, I wasn't sure what we were going to see with Leonard, and to see a full tag out there is promising for his week one status, though certainly not confirming because Frank Reich has kind of been downplaying things for our, or at least seeing uh, Leonard in his full go format. Maybe he will be out there for a limited number of snaps is something that Frank alluded to on Wednesday of this week. But to see him as a full participant, that just gives us a little bit more hope that we could see the maniac out there in week one. 
they've done a real good job of telling us not very much. They have. Uh, but which is, if I'm the team, it's the same way. Like in Pittsburgh, Mike Tomlin waited until this week to announce his starting quarterback. He could have waited until Sunday, which that's what teams like to do to keep you guessing. But with Leonard, I really don't know. I, I We talked to him today. Now, one thing, he was asked about playing on a pitch count. He basically said, nah, not a fan. <laughs> he said, if I'm out there, I want to be out there. He said, I want to play every rep. And after talking with him, you just don't know. I asked him if there was a – is there any concern that that if you come back, I don't know, too soon, whatever, there's a risk of injury, I guess it would be to the back. Right. And he did say that, well, with, with the back surgery, you know, you have thoughts in your head. So it sounds like he's not totally past that hurdle. But in, in one thing I tried to see, and I, I couldn't, I tried to hang around. We, we get to watch the first 20 minutes – which is stretching and individual work. Of today's practice on Thursday. Yesterday. Yeah. yesterday. Or yesterday, okay. Yeah. And, and I tried it, and then once we're ushered out, they get into team drills. Right. And I tried to kind of linger to see if Leonard was out there with the first group. Right. And it, I don't think so, because I saw EJ Speed out there, and if Speed was out there, Leonard wasn't. But I, I am leaning towards him not playing. I think the, the team... The team knows. I mean, they know. I think so, yeah. <clears throat> there's there's no way that sitting there Thursday at 50-50, we'll see. There has to be some belief, and they'll never say this, that if we can't beat Houston without Shaquille Leonard, we have more problems than Shaquille Leonard. Absolutely. So, and that, I, I don't know that they would say, let's hold him out because we can win this without him. Because if a player's ready, he's ready, and you play him. But I just, I just don't think he plays, and that's just a gut, and it's based on nothing. And we're not going to know. I think they're going to listen questionable tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I think you'll. We, we were talking. When's the last time a player was full participation for three days and then didn't play? That would be very weird. And I, I, I'm not going to do the research it would take to go through the injury <laughs> reports because it's just not worth it. But if I, anybody else out there wants to do that, yeah, please let and, us know. And direct message me, and, we'll, and I'll verify it. And but I, I just think, from from what he said, that maybe he's not quite ready. But we'll see. It's it's going to be a surprise. But I, this, he's a different. He, he's sort of like T. Y. Hilton. It, he's just a different kind kind of player. You know, T. Y. could not pl- could not practice and play. And the the issue with Shaq is he's not played. Since what was it, January 9th? I mean, no real live reps. No real live reps until last week. He will have basically had six practices. Uh, so I, I just don't think he's ready, as he said, to rock and roll yet. Yeah. Um, uh, Joe, outside of if, if Leonard can't play, it'll be some combination of EJ Speed and Zaire Franklin alongside Bobby Okereke there. Uh, your boy, EJ Speed, had himself a pretty good preseason, but obviously uh, it would be ideal to have Shaq uh, back there, but. Uh, as Chap alluded to, if you can't beat uh, the Texans without uh, Leonard, then that'll certainly shed. And, a, that's, uh, and that's not to diminish Leonard. No, no, at not all. at all. Yeah, but it would shed a, shed a little bit of a light on uh, on some other issues that you have to take care of. Yeah, I thought it was interesting um, in your story from Wednesday, Mike, that Frank Wright was kind of talking about like the eighty percent mark health wise. Get for that players. from Marv Levy. Yeah, and he is, so Shaq needs to be at least eighty percent. So that but he says he is eighty percent. He said he is now eighty percent. He said he said I think he's eighty percent. And Frank's and and Marv Levy said if a guy's eighty percent, he can figure it out. 
Okay. But he also said, I, I think a guy needs more than three days of practice. So right. it, he, he was... Just kind of going back and forth. He got, he, again, like I said, he got his butt sore from straddling the fence. Yeah. They're, they're just not, they're not going to give us time frames with anybody because then, then it bites them in the rear end. But they, and again, you, you got it. Every game is, is important. We've seen that before. Every game matters. But it's, seven, it's a 17-game season. And if you think that keeping Leonard out a game to I, – I, part of me thinks that they initially thought the Kansas City home opener would have been the ideal return. But if he's ready to play, you play. You just – because it, it's – you only play 17. This isn't baseball where you can, you know, miss a week and you've still got 150 games. So – but I just don't think he's ready yet, and I don't – I don't think they put him out there. Especially if you start with two division games right off the bat. Right. Like you, you, you want to be out there. If, if he can play, you're there. Um, and certainly the Colts handled the Texans twice last year. We'll get into that shortly. But they lost to the Jaguars in Jacksonville last year. So I know I bring that up and everybody shakes their head. But I'm going to keep saying it year after year <laughs> until they stop the streak. And, and we're not talking those guys this week, but... But we'll get to them. How how ba- how good might Jacksonville be now that they've actually got a coach? Right. Yeah. I mean, I I I think they're they're going to be the hard team to gauge because their quarterbacks finally got a legitimate coach, which he didn't have for the first two thirds of his rookie year. So, but we'll we'll get to that next week. This week again pre- creates a problem of its own. Let's get to the Texans injury report. Also pretty small, like the Colts. Uh, one player did not participate in Wednesday's practice, Rasheem Green, uh, the defensive end with a thigh injury, and a defensive end, and Mario Addison, limited participant, also uh, with a thigh injury. The Colts, as they enter Houston for the season opener, have lost eight straight. Drum roll, please. Unbelievable. Going back to 2013, the last time they won week one, uh, that was against the Oakland Raiders. Uh, Mike, this is uh, a... a Awful streak. Uh, the Cleveland Browns have the longest in NFL history with 13. They're currently on a stretch right now. They, they haven't Unbelievable. won. Unbelievable. The, the Browns, not since 2004, I think it is. It's oh, way 16 back. 16 and 1. Yeah, it's ridiculous. They have a tie in there just to break up 16 losses, Joe, but it's, it, it's so awful. So it could be worse. It could be saying. worse. I could be worse. <laughs> but you look at you look at the list of the, the teams. Uh, Chap, did you put this together in your story, or did I see this somewhere else? I can't remember. But it was a list of all the like the longest season opening loss streaks, and they're all these teams that are like they were either fledgling teams typically, or like 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 you see the Browns up there, you see the Lions up there, you see the Bengals up there, like franchises that have been in disarray for a long time, and the Colts and the Eagles actually were the two that were up there that have kind of showed uh, a little bit more than uh, you know, that you think of a little bit better than some of these other programs. Um, but I mean, the Eagles certainly went through their down years for sure, as the Colts did. But but the Colts' streak was during a time that, that you didn't expect them to be. Uh, so so you look at it, and it's 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 as Mike said, it's a baffling streak. It's a weird thing. But there's just been there's been something wrong, and it's gone from one coaching staff to another. It's gone one from quarter, one front office to one another. Quarterback to another. I mean, it's gone. And I think that's part of it. I, I do think the fact that they're going to have their sixth straight opening day starter it matters. It just it just does. Especially when one of them is Scott Tolzien yeah. <laughs> in whatever year that was. Uh, we choose to forget that year. Right. But it's w- w- when, you're, when you're shuffling quarterbacks, it just, and, and that one year Brissett came in, and of course it wasn't the opener. That was a Scott Tolzien year. Right. That was 2017, but, I believe. But it just, you're just, you can't be firing on all cylinders when, when you're changing quarterbacks, and it just doesn't work. And last year, 
with Carson Wentz, he misses all of training camp with, with a foot injury. And they barely had an offseason because they right. the team voted not to have one, basically. They right. had like one or two weeks, and that was it. So it, it matters. And I also noticed that they've, they've lost eight straight road openers. So it's just – and keep in mind, they, they restructured training camp to to address the slow starts. Remember all of the noon start – or practice starts – I think 16 of the 18 or 14 of the 16, whatever it was, to kind of simulate one o'clock starts, and they wanted players to sleep in more and kind of g- give them rest. So we'll see. And they wouldn't do that unless they they knew this was an issue. I mean, not an issue, a problem. So and you know, they're they're tired of talking about it. Frank sort of said, you know, yes, it's a reality, but that's behind us. Well, it's not. It's Not until you win, it's not. And, and if they win, then it's next week as well. What about Jacksonville? Mm-hmm. So until, it's another streak. Un- until you shut us up by winning, it, it's We're gonna there. We're going to keep talking. And then in, in, in three weeks, it's Tennessee. And, you know, the owner sort of has more of a, you know, angst in him over Tennessee than anything else. So the only way the only way to shut everybody up is to win, and, and that's what they need to do. The good news is the Colts, Joe, have dominated the Texans recently. You point out that the Colts have won seven of their last eight against Houston, and last year in particular beat them twice and drummed them twice. Sixty-two to three was the combined score. The Colts just clobbered the Texans. They had no answer for them. They matched up well. They performed well. And something you don't often see in division games because teams mostly know each other a little bit more, a little bit better. Maybe that's an advantage of having a different quarterback here and there, or different, which there, there aren't too many of them, uh, a new quarterback year after year. But um, you do some different stuff year after year with different quarterbacks and different <coughs> schemes or different uh, different skill sets that they have. But, but nevertheless, the, the Colts seem to have the Texans number last year, and, and you would certainly hope that continues this year. Yeah, the Texans were a team... That was completely rebuilding. They're still rebuilding, but I don't expect them to be, you know, they finished four and 13 last year. I expect them to be a little bit better this year. And honestly, they were better than I thought just looking at the roster on paper last season. But they got a, you know, rookie quarterback, third round pick starting last year. He should be um, able to develop a little bit more. So I think it'll be a little bit. Uh, more of a competitive game in this series this year. They certainly hope so. That's that's their plan. And it, yeah, I, I always think back to a couple years ago. Like this game to me, guys, it feels a lot like the opener in Jacksonville in 2020 because you're going up against one of the teams that people don't think is going to be that great in the league. You have a new quarterback, a veteran that comes in that's supposed to right the ship. There's a lot of expectations on you to take the next step as a franchise. And... We all know what happened there in Jacksonville. The Colts lost their debut with Phillip Rivers. Uh, fourth quarter, they just kind of imploded, um, and and Jacksonville won there that opener. That was the only game Jacksonville won the entire season. Was, was that game? Um, and I don't mean to be Debbie Downer here, but 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 here I am bringing that up again. And, and like Mike, like you said, we're going to keep talking about it until they snap this streak. And e- even if even if they're going up against a team that's regarded as not one of the most competitive ones in the league, well, they've lost to those type of teams during this streak. Well, yeah, go, go back and look at, that, like you sort of mentioned, two years ago with Houston, it took two fumbles at the goal line to beat them. Now, that was a Deshaun Watson team. But if I'm Houston, this is when I want to play the Colts. I mean, I want to play them out of the gate because you don't know what they are. You don't know how into it they are. Again, they didn't play a lot of starters much of the preseason. JT didn't play at all. 
So I, I, it's, it's like playing Kansas City in week three. I'd rather play them early than late. So it's just, again, this is a game, and we'll talk about it when we pick the game and all that, but this is one where you just need to get out and, and get get in front 10 to nothing, 13 to nothing. And the longer you let a team, a lesser team, perceived lesser team, hang around, you give them belief, mm-hmm. and you can't let that happen. With Kansas City, the one time you don't want to play them is coming off a bye because Andy Reid coming off a bye, famously tremendous, but – uh, we knew that back from his time, and I knew that from, from his time in Philadelphia, and that's continued over uh, over to Kansas City uh, as well. Let's talk about Houston, though. Uh, the Texans are coming off a 4-13 and season, gave them the third overall pick in last year's draft, who we'll see plenty of. We'll get to him in a little bit. Um, but let's focus on the Texans' offense first. Uh, they were dead last in the NFL a year ago in total yards, less than 300 per game. Also dead last in rushing with 83.6 yards per game. In fact, Philip Lindsay was uh, on the Texans for a while, a bit last year, and uh, was uh, was less than enthusiastic about the uh, the creativity of the play calling in, in Houston and Miami when he was uh, running there. And I guess that's the the nicest way I can put it. Uh, the Texans' offense scored the third fewest points in the league last year with 16 and a half points per game. They allowed 44 sacks, which is top 10, ninth most in the league last year. They had 22 turnovers. Five of them came in those two games against the Colts last year, which you would expect since the Colts were second in the league, I believe, in, in takeaways. So uh, they were they were able to take advantage of that, and, and they did. So that's the Texans' offense, the defense big picture. They gave up the second most total yards in the league, 384 yards per game, second most rushing yards per game, 142 per game. So it's obvious to see why the Colts were effective against them, being one of the best running teams in the league. Uh, they gave up the sixth most points per game, 26.6. So you give up literally 10 more points per game than you score. You're not going to win too many games. They didn't. Uh, they had only the fifth fewest sacks. They had 32 sacks. Um, they had That was just one less than the Colts, in fact. Uh, Colts didn't have a ton of sacks themselves. Tied for 10th in takeaways in the league with with 25. Not the most opportune defense, but not the most inopportune defense there either. Um, so, so big picture, you could see what the Texans struggled on both sides of the ball, couldn't really develop an identity either way, um, and have a bit of a, uh, a new regime, but at the same time, some players that uh, that they're relying on to either come back and and be leaders or take the next step. And if you're talking take the next step with, with the Texans, Chap, it begins with the quarterback, Davis Mills. He was a third-round pick a year ago, played quite a bit as a rookie. It, you don't see a lot of third-round picks getting a lot of pub, uh, unless it's Russell Wilson who, who comes in and steals the starting job, and then uh, see, Seattle's never the same. But uh, Mills, the, the Dak, the Dak, the Dak, Dak Prescott. The another third round. Exactly. There it goes. Just stuck in my head. <laughs> the the deck was stacked against him last year. Kind of like you would say Trevor Lawrence in, in Jacksonville as well, as you alluded to earlier. But I think this year you might have a little bit more of an idea about what Mills can do. And I know that there's a lot of people in Houston who are very optimistic a, about his abilities. But now you get to the chance to see uh, against live action, live opponents. Um, if, in fact, over this offseason he has uh, developed, he has taken the next step, and can be uh, some guy that this franchise leans on to, uh, to not be a 4-13 uh, th- and 13, uh, team this coming year. Yeah, I was looking. I think, I think the over-under on their wins is 4.5. And, 
and Vegas knows what they're doing. They do. So, but yeah, it, it's it's important, and he's got he's got a better team around him. He's got a better coaching staff. Lovey Smith has proven. So, but the, the Texans have to decide, and, and they will this year. Is, is he the guy? Yep. You, you, the, the worst thing you can do. We've talked about this. It sucks not to have a quarterback. It's almost worse to have a guy you think might be the guy. And then after two or three years, you say, ah, we were wrong. Because then you've wasted years of young players. The Daniel Jones theory. Oh, it's, it, it's, it's purgatory. Yep. You know, you'd rather not know, you'd rather know that this guy isn't the guy. So, but he, he played well. He kept his head about him. So uh, this will not be an easy out for the Colts at all. Davis Mills, Joe, last year, you look at his stats and you don't see a lot of rookies completing 66% of their balls. So, I mean, that's a pretty good number. Not that they're really attacking down the field too much. It was a lot of very simple, close to the, close to the line of scrimmage stuff. Um, only 16 touchdowns to 10 interceptions. But again, like 16 and 10 is, for rookies, that's not the worst. It's not good by any stretch of the imagination, but touchdown to interception ratio, it's not bad. Like, you've seen that he can be somewhat of an efficient quarterback. I think it's going to come down to can he make plays? Does he have guys around him who can make plays? And can he continue to make some good decisions and maybe take the next step in that uh, this year? And like I said earlier, kind of like I, just take the next step and develop a little bit. Yeah, I thought he was pretty darn impressive for a third-round rookie quarterback with not a lot to throw to other than Brandon Cook. Zero running game. Uh, his left tackle, who we're about to talk about, Laramie Tunsil, missed uh, all but five games last season. So really thrown into a terrible situation. Played pretty well. Played better than uh, Trevor Lawrence. Honestly, his numbers were pretty comparable to Tua from last year, who a lot of people this year are expecting to take a big step. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Tua has a lot more to throw to right. than Davis Mills does. But I think Davis Mills can be a serviceable quarterback in the NFL based on what he showed as a rookie maybe not the highest ceiling but a Kirk Cousins type quarterback a guy who you can rely on to move the chains get the ball up and down the field but not maybe carry the entire load so we'll see if he takes that step or kind of shows why he lasted till the third round in the draft. You mentioned Laramie Tunsil is back. He's a two-time Pro Bowler, did miss both matchups against the Colts last year. Um, he allows their first-round pick from two years ago, Titus Howard, to move over and stay at right tackle, which mm -hmm. is what the team has wanted to do. They also spent a first-round pick on a guard, Kenyon Green. So, so they're putting a lot of high-end picks into that front line, like we saw the Colts do uh, over a couple years when they drafted Ryan Kelly, they drafted Braden Smith in the second round, they drafted Quentin Nelson in the first round, and uh, Anthony Costanzo at that point was a first-round guy for, from, from a long time ago. Um, so so they are investing in first protecting their quarterback, like giving him some time to look for giving those. Giving him a chance. Exactly. That's, that's, what, that's what you're supposed to do if you're the front office. Like, if you have a quarterback back there that you want to see develop, you want to give him a chance. You want to not have guys on him in, uh, in a second and a half so that he has to either make the first read or throw it away. You want to see, hey, can this guy make multiple reads? Can he go to his second and third option and be an efficient quarterback back there? So, um, so that the, it's, not, it's not a slouch of an offensive line in front of them, but it's certainly still a young offensive line. And, and Tunsil is really good, like really Tunsil's good. Tunsil is really good when healthy. Yes. He's a great player. Everyone else is kind of a question mark. We right. don't know about Titus Howard, 2019 first-round pick, but has yet to really prove himself. Um, we'll see if we even uh, see Kenyon Green. The Texans' official depth chart has him listed as second string, so we'll see how accurate that is. We'll see how quickly the rookie can burst into the 
starting lineup, but it should be a much improved offensive line just with those two tackles able to stay in play. The talent of a first-round pick being able to focus on right tackle. And then Laramie's one of the best in the business when healthy. So Yannick and company are going to have a, a, a little tougher time getting to Davis Mills than the Colts had last year, um, even without Yannick. And Brandon Cooks is still the number one receiver there in Houston. Last year had 90 catches, so he caught a lot of balls, but just went a little bit over 1,000 yards and six touchdowns. So it, it was 90 catches that, that again, were not downfield threat catches it was a lot of things that were close to the line of scrimmage that's i don't know 11 12 yards per catch yeah. almost identical numbers to michael I was, Jr., that's exactly actually. what i was going to say yeah. that was exactly what i was going to say um so and, and chap it's a sim, sim, similar situation to the colts and there's a clear number one guy and after that it's kind of like eh, whoever so you you gotta you gotta limit brandon cooks because if you're looking at it from the colts perspective like if other teams can limit what michael Pittman jr is going to be able to do then that's really going to kind of throw a wrench into the offensive plans this this should be a pretty good test for bradley and his defense because it's, it's so pressure oriented well if, if a team wants to get the ball out quick and hit the, the short routes it's it's tougher to get to the quarterback so then you've got to you know press more which I think they're going to do. So this will be a great test. And as much as we didn't see from the Colts offense in training or in preseason, which we saw, you know, vanilla. Diddly poo. So I think, I think we saw the same from the defense. Mm -hmm. So it'll be really interesting how, again, the expectations are that this will be a much better defense. We'll see because it's so easy to, to just dump on Eberflus's defense now that he's gone. It did some good things. You know, they, they were like second in the league in takeaways. Top 10 yards, top 10 <laughs> points, second in takeaways. What, what drove you crazy were the, were the get off the field in the fourth quarter on third down. But they did some good things. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, we'll see. This will be different. I'm really curious to how, how much of an impact uh, Yannick Ngakwe has and then how he influences DeForest Buckner. Mm -hmm. We didn't see Buckner at peak last year because – he was a lone ranger. Mm -hmm. He really was. And Quiddy Pay, this is his time. This is his time. He's going to get so many single looks because of attention elsewhere, and he's got to step his game up. He just has mm -hmm. to. That, that was uh, alluding to your <clears throat> speaking well of that Ibafusa defense. That was a question I asked Gus Bradley during training camp this year. It was, you can have good defense. And I didn't specifically mention the Colts from last year, but it was on my mind. You can have a good defense, a, t a defense that does well yards and points-wise, but then does not do well situationally, and that can lose you games. Sure. And so I asked him, like, what do you think makes a good situational defense? And, and, and his response was a defense that understands why you're making the calls. So it's not just a defense that goes out and does what you say. It's a defense that understands why you're doing what you say. And for a guy who's in his first year and for all these players in their first year in this scheme, that might be a challenge. It might be. If they can get all the, on the same page, if it's easy enough that, that you can grasp it in an offseason, then, then I think that this defense has the potential to, to be one of the best situationally in the NFL and be a far cry from what it was last year. But, but it, that's, that's what Gus Bradley said is what makes the difference, is understanding why a certain play is called in a certain situation, what you are trying to prevent the offense from doing, where you are weak here or there in a defense where an offense can attack you, and then rallying to be able to stop uh, an offensive play if indeed they figure out where uh, where to attack uh, 
your defense. So he just drove you crazy last year. So many good things that the Colts did, and there were four or five games in the fourth quarter they just didn't make the play, mm-hmm. whatever the play was. Uh, I always go back to the Baltimore game where all they had to make was one play, but there were other games. The so Tampa ma- Bay game also is, is yeah. another one of those. That, I mean, it's it's tough to stop Tom Brady. I, I, I'll give you that, but they they were able to score and score and and, and just keep it out of reach. Well, the Raiders also they, they had yep, a chance to get them off the one. field. I remember, remember Shaq Leonard kind of going up. He was there for for a sack sort of. Yep. And he went off his feet and Carr completed the, the pass and and you end up getting beat. So it's 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 making those. We always talk about on offense. It's making those five or six plays. It's the same on defense. Mm-hmm. Get off the field. I want to see if they're able to approach their 33 takeaways from a year ago because Shaq was such a big part. I think he had 12 or 13. He was in on a bunch. On yeah. his own. So, But but this team under Eberflus, it was like third or fourth in interceptions in four seasons, which I think people wouldn't would be surprised at. So, it, it, but, but it's situational worth that. Third down, red zone. That's where you win and lose games, and we'll we'll know early on if this defense is what we hope it is. You know, wrapping up the uh, the Houston Texans offense, running back Damian Pierce is going to be their starter. He's uh, had a really good preseason, Joe. He was a fourth-round pick just a year ago. Yeah. He beat out Marlon Mack for the job, and Marlon Mack got cut, in fact. I mean, for crying out loud, guys. No, no Marlon Mack revenge game. I'm really disappointed. Yeah, the hype around this rookie has gotten kind of out of control. We'll see. I mean, he was a fourth-round pick, but you can find good running backs from anywhere in the draft. Uh, Colts are going to have to tackle. This is one of the guys who runs hard. He's got a little bit of juice to him. Um, he, he, he's going to run through arm tackles, so they're going to have to come ready uh, for Damian Pierce, one of the fantasy darlings of the summer. There you, go. you got him on your team? I yeah. got him on one of my oh, teams. Oh, boy. Oh <laughs> so boy. you bought the hype? Yeah. yeah at the right price. Uh, I, I wasn't reaching or anything. And they got some young players on their defense, too. You look at Jonathan Greenard, third-round pick from a couple years ago. He kind of broke out last year with eight sacks, so heading into year three now, he'll be looking to build on that. He's kind of their primary defensive end in that Lovey Smith, bringing back the 4-3 uh, to Houston there, that Lovey Smith defense. And they have an extremely young secondary. You look at the third overall pick, cornerback Derek Stingley Jr., I'm sure he's going to be seeing a lot of Michael Pittman Jr. And 37th overall, high in the second round, they took a safety, Jalen Petrie, I think is how you say his mm-hmm. name. Um, but he's a guy who can play safety. He can play that nickel spot. So they have talent in the secondary with these high draft picks, but we'll see if the Colts are passing game is able to take advantage of the rookies out there. I was looking at, uh, I got an email the other day with like the oldest players in the NFL, the youngest players in the NFL. I think Nick Cross is the youngest player in the NFL right now. He's 21 on Saturday. He does. Don't party too hard, guys, as we've said. Like party afterwards. Party on the That's plane right. ride home. That's right. But but keep Nick Cross. I, I would put some, I would put a, a man on him, yes. a body on him. Yes. <laughs> or, or, or put a playing G- man-to-man put defense a, against Nick Cross. Put a GPS on him just so you know where he is at all times. But uh, Not that we don't trust you, but... So they got a 20-year-old corner and you got a 37-year-old quarterback. How about that? Let's get to the keys to the game. The Colts taking on the Texans. Sunday afternoon, 1 o'clock kickoff, broadcast in central Indiana on CBS4. Join us for the Blue Zone pregame show, also on CBS4, that begins at 11.30, leads into the NFL today. 
on CBS. Number one key to the Colts and Texans, score quickly. Squash Houston's confidence early with multiple scores. We saw them do this last year against them, and, and then you make their offense one-dimensional. Not that last year their running game was anything to speak of, but when you know that they're going to throw, that's a whole lot easier than still the run is a possibility. Uh, make Davis Mills orchestrate a comeback. Uh, chap, you, you put a pressure on a young quarterback. Uh, you make him drop back to pass over and over and over again. Uh, and if you jump out to a lead, that's what the Colts did for years. You let Freeney and Mathis pin their ears back and go. If you can let Yannick Ngakwe pin his ears back, I mean, that's what he does naturally. He gets upfield. He goes after the quarterback. And if he's put in a situation where he can do that over and over and over again, then that is an opportune position for the Colts' defense to be in. And I think where the Colts really believe they have the, the, their, their strength is the top end of their defensive line. You get in nickel, you're going to have Ngakwe and Pay, uh, Buck inside, and then probably Tyquan Lewis or Dio. And that, that's what you want. You, you want to get to where you got your linemen fresh, and you get them third and seven, and you, and you get pressure because even the best quarterback doesn't like people around him. He just doesn't. So the younger the quarterback, you rattle him. And again, one of the concerns coming out of preseason was teams ran on the Colts. I mean, second half they just did. It was in the second halves mostly, but it was mostly. guys. It was guys for the most part that aren't here, right? And I go back to that one series. Was it against Tampa when Grover? Just dominated. Yep. yep, it was the second series of that game. Three plays in a row. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I like this defense, but what you want to be able to do is get to your pass rush and turn those guys loose because I think they're like they may, may be like six deep mm -hmm. in pass rushers that you have a lot of faith in. And that, that's what Grover said. Like I, I asked him again this preseason, was like, how, how do you know you're ready? He's like, or do you want to play in the preseason? Like, yeah, I'll just go in. I forget what he said. It was something like crack a few skulls and then I'm good to right. go. That, okay. that wasn't exactly what he said, but it was something to that extent. And yeah. it, had, it had that Someone kind get of get in there, hit somebody or yeah. something like that. Dang it, I wish I remembered. Exactly it was more what he than said. that. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was like I said, it was like crack some. It was it was something that was, had a little bit more of a uh, uh, of a meaning to it. But uh, mess some dudes up. I forget what it was, what he said, but but he did. He certainly did that on that series for sure. It'd be great to to see him do that. If if he can be a disruptor like he was on that drive, I mean, you have him and Buck. Then uh, Ngakwe on the outside, then who knows what Quiddy Pay is going to be this year. Yeah, I, you're right, chap. The, the, the front end of their defensive line, I, they're, they're really optimistic about this year. The other side of the ball, however, the offensive line this is the second key to the game. It has to be ready because you have two new full-time stars with Danny Pinter stepping into that right guard position. And then, of course, Matt Pryor being the left tackle to protect Matt Ryan's blind side. Ryan has been unusually healthy as well in his career. Uh, in spite of having a less than good offensive line with the Falcons. But enough blindside hits will take any quarterback out. So that needs to be strong. It needs to be steady. Pryor needs to be reliable out there. Uh, and, Joe, if the Colts want uh, their offense to run at peak efficiency, um, they've got to be ready immediately right now. And Pryor is going to step into this role that he's never been in before. Yeah, you talk about a team with a 37-year-old quarterback. Uh, you talk about a team that wants to be run first and pound the rock down your throat with Jonathan Taylor. The offensive line is going to have to step up and once again be a strength of this team. Now, I don't expect them to be a top five unit, but I think they should. I think top ten is within their possibilities. They should hover around the tenth best offensive line in the NFL because if they're 
below average. The, the offense is not going to work how it's designed to work mm-hmm. um, with Taylor, with the quarterback. I think Matt Ryan can move around a little bit. We've seen him move. He's this, not, he's not Philip Rivers. He's not right. Philip Rivers out there, but it, that's also not his strength either. Um, so the offensive line is going to have to be above average this year, which I think it can be, but they need to prove that week one in Houston because the offensive lines after Houston are only going to get better and better. And we saw last year. Or defensive lines, I mean. The, the, wink, the weak link of the offensive line was left tackle. Eric Fisher just he, – he probably came back too soon from the Achilles, and he just wasn't good in pass protection. And that, that was with a quarterback that – that could move. That could move. Yeah. So the quarterback, he wants protection. You, you don't want to get that guy hit, but they, they get hit. But you want to be able, you need to be able to trust your left tackle. Because generally teams don't protect the left tackle much. The Colts seldom did with Costanzo. So the more you have to protect your left tackle, it, it diminishes what you can do on offense. So I want to see how well he plays because teams are, teams are going to test him because teams most teams have quality pass rushers and one guy we didn't talk about Jerry Hughes he's a team captain in in Houston Jerry Hughes back from the dead again I mean it, it's he's like 34 and he's still giving pops so it's it's and they've got another former coach. Is it Philip River? Uh, Philip uh, Philip Rivers. Wait, what? F- Philip Dorsett, I believe it is. Yeah, really? Philip Dorsett. So, oh my goodness. Uh, but no, it, it's so much favors the Colts in this game, but like like you said, Joe, Houston Houston's got some pop. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you don't, the longer you let a lesser team hang around, they just start believing. Yep, and that gets into our last key, which is kind of we I kind of mentioned it a bit talking about the first key, and that's the pass rush. Prove it to be legitimate um, with Ngakwe, Quidipe, Dio, Dangbo on the outside, whoever it is. Get after Davis Mills and 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 don't let him get comfortable. Don't let him settle into a rhythm. Don't let him complete sixty six percent of his passes easy. Make it difficult on him, and uh, and close out the game with those guys. Because you know, obviously, that's the key to this game. That's what we saw happen time and time again last year. Is teams were able to come back on the Colts. I know they were one of, I forget the exact stat, but, you know, in all my fantasy research that they do, a lot of the analysts were talking about Taylor not being as good fantasy-wise this year because the Colts were either the team that led the most or set, they were one of the top teams that led for the most time during the entire season. But there were only 9-8 and eight because they let so many games fall in the fourth quarter. What an awful stat. What Z- an awful Zach Kiefer stat. showed us, or came up with a stat, and he looked at it. They were like, if you look at the quarter-by-quarter breakdown, they were like plus 40-something first quarter, plus 40-something, plus 50-something, and then a minus 45 or 50 in the fourth quarter overtime. Yeah. Well, that, that's, that, that's when you win games. You close out games. Well, it, and we talk about last year's defense being so good at stopping the run. Well, when you have a lead and it's the fourth quarter, these, these teams aren't running anymore. They're only passing, and the defense was not – didn't ha- not designed or didn't have the right people in there to stop a pass, 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 pass first team because they couldn't get to the darn quarterback. And we haven't even talked about the secondary. If you can block this defensive line, I think the Colts have a much improved secondary. You got to throw out guys like Gilmore, uh, seemingly healthy Blackman, um, Kenny Moore. When he's back, Darius Le- or Shaq Leonard, the maniac, will be roaming the middle of the defense with those long arms. 
um, that Mac Jones can't stop talking about from his interception last year. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I, this defense, as long as the pass rush is what we think it will be, has everything it needs to be a top 5D. Yeah, I, I've said this before. I'll, I'll say it one more time. Like, if I learned one thing out of training camp at Westfield, it's that Stephon Gilmore still looks like a very much like still got a, it. like an NFL defensive back and a good one at that. So I, I, you feel a lot better about your corners. And I, I think there were some questions about that until we saw him in camp. Completely. Oh, we, yeah. we didn't see a lot during OTAs. Mm-hmm. And we were joking in the media room how, was it in 2013 or 14, when they went out and got Andre Johnson? Yep. And he looked darn good in camp. Mm-hmm. And then the first team he's like, oh, man, he looks like he's 34 years old or whatever mm-hmm. it was. That's not the case here. Mm-hmm. First of all, Gilmore's not that old, but he looked good. He, 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 and he, and he, as we talked, he only made the receivers better. Alec Pierce is a better player because of going against mm-hmm. Gilmore. But they need these guys to, to be who they've been. Mm-hmm. They don't need Gilmore to be the 2019 defense no. player of the year. I mean, nice if he is, but. And, and that's not all that long ago. So j- just be the guy you rely on and allow Kenny Moore to do what he does and Brandon Fashion. And then you got Isaiah Rogers, who is like the, he's the fourth guy. It's a luxury to have Isaiah it, Rogers. It is. It is. And if there's a concern, you're going to kind of keep your eye on Nick Cross. As we talked about, he's 20. He's going to start at strong safety. And so it's there's so many interesting things going on with his team. We were talking in the meeting. Just play. Mm-hmm. Get, get get out there and play and, and show us what you are or what you aren't. Mm-hmm. With Gilmore, he might be the only player on the team quieter than Jonathan Taylor. Holy smokes. <laughs> Not your typical cornerback. I, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about the keys, what we need as a team. We've talked a lot about the veterans. What about some of these rookies about to suit up for their first game? What are we looking for from Pierce? We did mention Cross. I think... What I'd like for him is just to no blown assignments, be where he needs to be. If he makes a play or two, great, but don't let anyone over the top. Um, which Blackman's going to be the safety playing deep most of the time yeah. anyway. Mm-hmm. Cross will be playing down. I think if Pierce can get you 40 some yards this game, you're fe- feeling pretty good about it. Or maybe just make a play deep, a 30 yard catch, something where he shows mm-hmm. you that ability. Um, what do you want from Pierce or any other the rookies? Jel- Jelani Woods might get some run in this game. I'd like to see Pierce uh, get one or two first down catches. Okay. I think that'd be great. I, I'll put it that way because that's that's kind of making plays, moving the change. We'll say two or more first down catches. I think would be would be great from Pierce. But they will take shots. Yes, they will take a shot or two with him. I think they will, and I'd love to see that too. Um, like let's go two first downs and take a shot. Uh, I'd love to see that a, uh, a shot deep down the field, not a shot at Tequila. Um, <laughs> that'll, that'll be post, Nick that's Nick Cross, that's, exactly. That's post game with Nick Cross. Yeah, exactly. Let, let's talk Nick Cross then. Uh, on that note, like I'd love to see him not chasing anybody down the field. Like that's that's one that's one bad thing that could happen. Like don't be just trailing Brandon Cooks running down the sideline. That's that's obviously number one. And if he could stick his nose in a couple plays near the near the line of scrimmage, that'd be great too. Because he's going to come down in the box a little bit as the strong safety. Um, so I can see him make uh, like like he did against uh, I forget was it Tampa I forget but he made a nice third down tackle made a bit, it might have been Detroit no it wasn't Detroit because I don't think he played that much but I think it was Tampa he made a nice third down stop maybe it was Buffalo I can't remember but it was one of those games he made a good third down tackle got the defense off the field uh, that'd be great Jelani Woods if I can see him over the middle like on a on a seam route that'd be cool because that's what you want him to be I think you want him to be a guy who can attack down the middle of the field I'd like to see him out there 
blocking a little bit. It'd be nice yeah. to know we have two tight ends who can really block because of how long the Colts have had that. And um, speaking of, he's not a rookie, but Kylan Granson. It'd be nice to see a little something out of him, too. Wouldn't I would wanna... love to see Kylan Granson get five or more catches. Okay. I would love to see that. I know that might be a little bit much to ask if you're trying to go for Pittman and Hines more so. But if Kylan Granson's really involved in the offense, that'd be a really positive sign. And don't drop the ball. Or he just might... go out and show that he can be. Well, really if you're gonna drop one, catch four. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and and then, you, then you're more like, okay, we'll, we'll live with that. And drop one on first down, and not on third and seven. Right, yeah. no and drops not in on the third. end zone, and not in the end zone. And one guy we haven't mentioned today, who will have a huge impact in the game, Naheem Hines. I just mentioned him, but yes. Did okay. <laughs> we, we haven't talked much about. It. Very, I mentioned him in passing. Yeah, yeah but, but again, it's funny how we're we're starting to project catches for this guy, that guy, you know, a hundred and some for Pittman. All this. Hines, I think we're going to see how much they they plan on really making him, I hate to say a central part of the offense because that's JT, but I want to see how much they really, really try to, you know, six or seven rushes and then, what, six or seven targets? I, I don't know what's too many. Maybe there's not a number that's too many. Yeah, it'll be interesting because, you know, you got JT, who's your kind of do-it-all running back. You got Pittman, who's kind of the same thing, but at wide receiver. And then everyone else is kind of like a role player that you're going to scheme stuff for. You're going to scheme Naheem Hines' looks. You're going to scheme stuff for Kylan Granson since he isn't your primary inline blocking tight end. You're probably going to scheme at least a few things for Pierce and uh, Paris Campbell. Somebody's going to be left out. There's a name we haven't said yet, Paris Campbell. Paris Campbell. Amazing. So, and he's the wild card. Yep. He really is. If he comes back and gives you another uh, 70 yards and seven catches like he did two season openers ago, you feel enthusiastic. I don't think they're going to get him that involved because there's so many other guys that we're talking about. It'll be interesting to see who the coaching staff prioritizes when they're scheming up plays for these guys. Since 1951, Hancock Health has been centered around you. And now, as a member of the Mayo Clinic Care Network, our services are amplified by the world leader in medicine. We were selected by Mayo Clinic because of our commitment to caring for East Central Indiana. Now, our local experts are taking that commitment further by consulting with Mayo Clinic specialists and working together to make health possible. Learn more at HancockHealth.org slash Mayo Clinic. As the Colts and Texans get set to kick off, FanDuel has Indianapolis favored by 7.5 points. I saw it 8.5 a, a while ago. Looks like that line's moved a little bit. The over-under at 45.5 total points for this game. So uh, they're looking at something to the effect of Colts 26 and uh, or 26 to 19, something in that range. Um, so we'll do our predictions. I'll go first uh, just so I can be negative Nancy, negative Nelly right out of the bat then Joe, and then Mike, because I'm not going to pick the Colts to win a season opener until they win a season opener. Uh, you, you bet the streak. That, that's one thing that, I, that, uh, that I've learned. Um, and so we'll, we'll go with the, the Texans 21-20. I don't say that out of anything that's on paper uh, between these two teams because the Colts are clearly the better team. But when there is a problem, uh, it would be, to my uh, approach, just foolish to... Ignore the problem, and this has been a problem in the past. I'm not going to say the problem is over until it's certainly over. Um, so that that's my prediction for this week, Joe. I'm a I'm of course taking the Colts. Oh, naturally, I, I think most people will. Yeah. That's that's fine. I get it. 
Um, I, I'm going to take the Colts 27 to 17. I don't think we're going to see the kind of blowouts that we saw last year against Houston. I think Houston's going to be a better team than they were last year. But I think the Colts um, still have the superior talent, and they're going to win by 10 points. Chap. Well, I wrote down 27-16. Okay. The good guys. Uh, and I understand what Dave's saying. I mean, you, you, you bet the streak continues. You don't, you know, you go, you, you go broke, bacon, you know, betting on streaks to end. Right. Uh, but I just, I just, the impact losing the opener would have on this team. Then knowing you've got Jacksonville on the road next week. Guess what I'm going to predict for that game. Oh, I, you, you <laughs> talked about pucker. Uh, so, so I, I just, I, it's not blind faith. It's from watching what these guys have done in the off season and what we've seen in camp. They're clearly the better team, and that's why I, you know we've harped on it. Don't let them hang around. Mm-hmm. Don't get in the fourth quarter where it's 17, 13, 17, 14, and then and then any mistake you make beats you. Right. And, and one guy I don't think we did talk about. The kicker. I, Hot rod. I, 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 you know, does this game come down to a couple of important kicks? And I think there's still questions in a lot of areas on is, is he the reliable guy? So don't let it come down to them making a 47-yarder, you making a 45-yarder, you making a stop. Jacksonville last year here with the sack of, of Trevor Lawrence when they're going in to, to do something. Yep. Don't let lesser teams believe they have a reason to win. Yeah, Couldn't I mean, put it better myself. These first two games are so important for so many reasons. We've talked about how hard it's been for the Colts to dig themselves out of that hole. They weren't able to last year. Um, two division games to start the season. Two chances to snap embarrassing streaks to start the season. And then after that, uh, you got Kansas City, you got Tennessee, and you got Denver. So... You know, you hope to win one or two of those. You're not. You're probably not going to win all three. So it'd be nice to start the year with a two and zero cushion before the season gets a lot more difficult. Well, two other streaks to think about. The Colts have opened up the season at Houston twice, and they're zero two. And also, the Colts have lost eight straight. Matt Ryan has lost four straight season openers. So there's just a lot of stuff going on. And the only way to shut us up is to win. Like I said, like you said, you go broke betting on streaks to end. So that's why that's why I predicted uh, what I predicted, and you guys are. That's why you're wearing no shoes today. You're broke. You get you guys are going to go broke. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you can check out all Mike's work online at uh, fox59.com, cbs4indy.com as kickoff approaches this weekend. Follow us on Twitter collectively at Colts Blue Zone. Individually, Mike Chapel is at mchapel51. Joe Hopkins is at Roto Street Joe. I'm Dave Griffiths at DaveG underscore sports. We appreciate you listening. Looking forward to week one here in the NFL season. Colts, Texans, 1 o'clock Sunday afternoon, CBS 4 in Central Indiana. Blue Zone pregame show at 1130. And we will see you next week on the Colts Blue Zone podcast. <laughs>